Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a very special episode of Undying Light. And by very special, I mean this is the reemergence of the roundtable, and I'll get into it in just a second. But uh, last year we did a episode that was a you know quote unquote rantathon, and we talked about all of the problems in the church from 2020 with COVID and all that stuff. Uh, this year, I wanted to do that again, but with a little bit more structure and a panel discussion. So I'm going to introduce all of the guys on the show. You should have probably seen all the announcements now uh, filtered through social media. We started those a number of weeks ago. By the time the show actually airs, uh, we re- we dropped all the announcements today on the day we record, which is totally fine. But anyways... Uh, I got Anthony right with me, uh, Speak Gospel Truth. He is uh, my co-host on the Matter of Truth podcast, and uh, he's been gracious enough to uh, jump on the mic with me tonight and and uh, and join us. So, Anthony, say hi. Hey, thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, you're always I welcome. I, I don't think I was on the last one. Last no. Year. I, I, you know what? It's funny about that. I recorded it at my old apartment before we moved to Iowa. And so I was in a closet in the apartment because uh, there was no furniture in the apartment. And so everything was echoing really bad. So I had to find the smallest room possible to just record this episode. It was not my better day. Yeah. So now I got this beautiful little office down here and this amazing little studio that I can record in and everything's great. But nice. So welcome to the show. You've been on a number of times and some yeah. something that I'm so happy uh and and I'm very blessed to to say this that God has kicked me in the teeth this year. And because of that, I have been on a escapade of reconciliation with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have had, you know, pasts that have been long extended of great 
times together in rough patches, and I am looking forward to the green meadows with these gentlemen again. And so God has placed it upon my heart. I reached out to Nick from Crisis of Cure first, and I and I offered him uh, some apologies to a, a battered past, and we reconciled and had a, a long conversation via you know Instagram and then Telegram and all the other uh, platforms that we we talk on. And then I turned around and reached out to Paul, even though Paul and I had been kind of sparsely talking, uh, but really tried to rekindle that relationship with him. And so I was uh, sitting at home after I did this, and I was thinking one night, and I'm like, "Why wouldn't it be great to get all three of those guys back on the show and just rant with them again like we used to do back in the day? And so uh, Anthony, I think I had already... Uh, talk to about coming on the show and I so I texted yeah. him and I was like hey do you care if I get these other guys on and he's like no let's do it let's you know so immediately buy bought in on it so without further ado guys Nick Paul welcome back to Undying Light and to the reemergence of this round table you like a prodigal son like the prodigal son <laughs> like if it's 2019 again what is COVID by the way <laughs> what is COVID <laughs> from from this perspective it's the round the round square. The round square, right? Because we're we're on a Zoom call. Uh, we got a, we got our quad going. <laughs> right. We have all four uh, videos up on our screens, and uh, so it's not necessarily round. I think we've joked about that before. The uh, round, the round square. Square. That's like yeah. saying the tolerant leftist. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we. And so it begins. And so it begins, and. And, and we'll, let, let's preference the show uh, immediately that you will probably be triggered or offended by some of the stuff we say on the show. So if you're if you're sensitive in the heart, please uh, uh, just go ahead and skip this episode. Um, but we are going to take on a very very touchy topic, and that is politics in church. And and uh, and I don't mean by uh, the political games that you know congregants may play. I'm talking straight up Democrat and Republican politics in the church. Does it have a place? And can we find any sort of commonality with this? Or does the church need to be separate from politics altogether? So that's the topic at hand. Uh, and I kind of want to kick it over to Nick really quick, because I think your book that I've been reading through, uh, The Feasts, and uh, the holidays and all that have has been really an interesting take on some of these things that Christians should be partaking in or not partaking in. And so I want to kind of throw the ball in your court and just see, you know, where do you fall with this concept of politics infiltrating our church? Uh, so I actually was kind of going back and forth with this, you know, right before G3. I was reading like everything I possibly could on it. Um, and I, I kind of fell into the Anabaptist camp before that, where you, they're entirely separate worlds. You just don't touch either or. And then through talking with Paul and just reading a little bit more, I think I've come somewhere between the Lutheran view and the reform view, you know, where, um, where at the end of the day, politics is still underneath the umbrella of God's sovereignty. And as Christians, we are to operate within this world because it's still God's world. So we still have a function and a place and a purpose. Um, 
I I haven't solidified where I'm at on that. It was one of those things where I, I dug really hard and I read through it and uh, it was really the Puritans um, that kind of made me see it in that, in that light a little bit more where you, you operate within your pol- your political sphere, knowing that it's not um, a matter of soteriology, you're not going to save anyone by politics, but that you still have an influence and you still have a role as a steward of God's creation, as loving your neighbor to do something with politics in some shape or form. Um, and that's really, for me, the struggle was seeing how easily people could be ho- more holy or less holy in other people's eyes based off of whether or not they were convicted or not convicted to participate in politics. And there was a lot of schism there with, well, you are involved in politics, you don't have your mind set on the gospel. Uh, and those types of you know, general dichotomies. And that's really what got me thinking about it more. It's like, no, this is, this is more, a little bit more complex than you're trying to make it out to be. And that kind of sent me down to this place where I'm, I'm pretty settled with, we have a function in politics. What that looks like for each individual is going to look a little bit different, I think, based off of your disposition and your character and things of that nature. Yeah, I think that I would probably venture to say I, I find myself right along that same coursework, you know, because politics themselves uh, have a place uh, that has been granted to to us by God. You know, Paul writes that pretty, I would say extensively, but he gives us a, enough in Romans 13 that, you know, God has given us this establishment, and, and for better or worse, we are to... Uh, play some sort of role and function in it. And, you know, to kind of echo again, what you were saying, it's the, within the Christian life is part of the active movements of Christians. We need to be partaking in some elements. Uh, but I think we'll start getting into, uh, after I get Paul and, and Anthony's take, I want to get into more of the crux of political influence into the church and, and how the church has responded. So we'll you know, I, I think we're, we'll, we'll build our foundation and then we'll, we'll work up from there. So, uh, I'm going to give it to Paul next because he hasn't been on this show, uh, for forever and a day. And, uh, I'm, I'm blessed as a brother in Christ to have him back on here. And, uh, you know, this has been a great little, uh, rekindling of friendship. So Paul, what are, what are your take? What's your thoughts? Thank you for your kind words, by the way. I feel, I feel like at home again. Um, I think when politics influence theology, everything goes really wrong. You have liberation theology, which is, of course, rooted in Roman Catholicism. It was greatly used in South America. I tried to go into North America, but it didn't, it didn't really work. I think always that our theology should influence our politics and it should speak for our politics and not backwards. And the problem nowadays in the church is that everyone allows their theology to be influenced by politics. So you have churches who are separating, splitting the Lord's Supper into white, a white table and a black table and a brown table and an Asian table. That is heretical. That's blasphemous against God. Paul literally says that we are one and there's no difference between Jew or Greek or anything else. So this, this trend that's going on, it's going to have to stop suddenly, I mean, uh, eventually, but I have no idea when it's going to stop or, or what's going to replace it afterwards because something else is going to come on. It's probably not going to be racism, but it's, it might be something else. And while, while we're on the topic of politics, all these Christians, so-called, that are voting for 
that voted for Biden. I cannot get into my head. How can anyone who claims to be a Christian and who claims to know the Bible, how can you vote for someone who not only espouses socialism, but is for the killing of babies? And he claims to be a Roman Catholic. And even the Pope gave him the right hand of fellowship and told him that he, he can't participate of the supper of the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. Really? Like, can you, can you really seriously, honestly support such a man or such an administration and claim to be a Christian? I have serious issues with such people, but I'm not going to get into that now. <laughs> well, I think uh, the rest of us would echo your, uh, your position as well, because it does get into some really bad theology. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that too. Um, one thing that came to mind as you were talking is there's a seminary out in New York. You is, I believe it's, it's not union seminary. If I'm, uh, I can't, I think it is, it is. Okay. Well, there's, I think there's two of them. There's like one that's good and, and biblical. And then there's the yeah, one. In, yeah. In, that was the, in England though. That's right. That's where, um, uh, Dust, Reeves, right. Yep. Yep. And then there's the one in New York, which is heretical and blasphemous because they're out there, you know, paying homage to trees and worshiping. Trees. <laughs> they, oh yeah. You know, I, I remember they, them. They're, they're, they're asking you know, for forgiveness of plants. Right. Yes. Yeah. So they're way off in the, in the weeds of, of bad theology, but you know, politics, get, you know, influences that basis extensively. And uh, so anyway, Anthony, what are your, what's your take? Um, I'll keep my take real short. Uh, I would echo uh, what Paul um, just outlined. I think that um, the world does what it is uh, bent towards doing. And that is, um, you know, it, it's going to it's going to elevate self above anything and everything. And that's been since the beginning of time I mean, we're just in a hamster wheel. And um, to Paul's point, um, you have uh, people's ideologies, politics, um, agendas that are on the throne opposed to God's word. And this is something, again, it's, it's been going on and you you. Go watch some uh, Francis Schaeffer videos, listen to some of his sermons. He he predicted this, as did, <laughs> you know, you, the guys in the Bible, you know, the, the prophets and, and, and the apostles. This is all, I don't know, we're exactly where we're supposed to be within God's sovereign will. And I'm not really, uh, I get surprised, but I'm not too surprised. So, you know, overall, I think that uh, politics, agendas, ideologies, uh, they don't have any business in the church, and I think that um, if your if your doctrine and your th theology is you know if it's not on point and it's not you know based in scripture, you just you know it you you open the floodgates, and I think you can see the state of you know of the church and how really it's like like Paul said it's completely backwards, and it's even creeping into like what these churches that were once evangelical. And they have no spine now, you know, they're just, they're, they're falling. They're like a leaf, man. They're just kind of bouncing around, <laughs> um, you know, trying to please people. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I'm going to use some buzzwords on that. <laughs> I'm not going to call it outright Marxism, but liberation theology. I don't know if y'all have read about liberation theology. It's 
100% rooted in Marxism. It mm. sees Jesus as the, as this political liberator who's not really, let's not focus on the deity part. He's just a man who was really oppressed by the system. And then he overturned the system and won the day. And now he's, he's going to do the same for poor people or quote unquote oppressed people. That's rooted in Marxism. And Marxism's take is always to overturn societies, ideologies, even theology in mm. this case. So it, it is what it is, and we have to call it for what it is. It's Marxism. Yeah. And who defines who's oppressed? By what standard? By whose standard? Exactly. Yeah. It's so it's completely ridiculous. Probably my feelings, but right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yeah. the color of your skin too, because if you're a white oh, male, yeah, like the rest of us here, uh, we're we're doomed because uh, you know we're of the elite class. You know, <laughs> we're we're well, just. If I can no. exclude myself from that, Alex, I'm a Jew. <laughs> I would too, but I'm, I'm, I'm white. So. <laughs> Well, so and, and what we're talking about is the color of mm. your skin. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's like you know, you being Latino and Paul, you know this. Uh, you know, our our skin is white, but what are we talking about? Ethnicity or how much? You know, you know how how dark we are, or how light we right. are. Mm -hmm. It's it or or what your political <laughs> ideology <laughs> is. That's that always really, what matters, really, because yeah. you know, uh, at the end of the Larry day, Elder, who was running for governor of, of California recently uh he was called the the black face of white supremacy simply because mm. his ideology doesn't align with leftism yeah right so it, it's really it's not about the color of your skin they don't really right. care about that they use that for but, for their purposes for their agenda which is yeah. what they really care about yeah that's why the the typical uh communist name for that is useful idiots they just use <laughs> them for whatever purpose they have and then they drop them Im immediately once they get power yeah yeah and it just absolutely has no business in in any single church. When you have pastors, and, I, and I'm going to call out my you know my former pastor here, um, telling you know those that are of ethnic background to stay seated and have and asking all the people that are white, you know, and the whole praying over and asking for forgiveness, you know, we, we got problems here. Um, yep, it's just it's not biblical. It's anti. So, have you guys seen uh, the Founders Ministry movie on? Uh, oh, I still have to watch it, man. I haven't seen it. Um, mm, I, I forget the title of it. And I forget I, the title too. If, if I can remember, by I'll put what it. Standard. Yes, by what standard? Yes. Um, it really tackles this because that's a big thing that was happening in the SBC was this liberation theology, and and then amongst many other issues that were creeping through. Uh, and they really talk about how, you know, the gospel has been shifted from Christ freeing us from our sin and freeing us from death and, and, and the law. But now it's, you know, you're going to be taken care of if you believe in Jesus and you meet these certain criteria of being oppressed and having a certain background or ethnicity or skin color uh, or political ideology you, you'll you'll be you know well taken care of this side of heaven, but we're not going to talk about eternity because that doesn't matter to us right now. What matters to us right now is you know the 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 here and now, and that's our well being and and our feelings. Everything is shifted to how do you feel? So Nick, how do you feel? <laughs> uh I feel all right. No, uh, <laughs> actually, I had some thoughts related to what Paul was saying earlier. Mm. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
um, he was just talking about, you know, putting first things first in terms of theology or politics that we, we determine our politics by theology. And so I was thinking about hermeneutics because all of us here, you know, we spend time studying scripture and doing it properly. And whenever you put those things out of order, you're automatically breaking three prime rules of hermeneutics whenever you come to the text. You're breaking context, you're breaking bias, and you're breaking proper application. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever you come to the text with a particular ideology for feminist ideology or uh, if you want to call it liberation theology, you're automatically coming to the text with those lenses on, those biases that you're supposed to take off when you come to the text. Mm-hmm. Whenever it comes to context, you're automatically reading your contemporary context into the text to eisegete it, and then you're misapplying it according to those other two principles. Um, and so I think that just kind of highlights the, if, if theology determines proper politics, then you have to begin with proper hermeneutics, obviously. And you can't do that if politics is at the forefront of your mind. It's the same thing as whenever you're trying to study up on a particular theological group and you're like, I want to make sure I pin these guys. And so you're looking through all the proof texts in the Bible and all of a sudden that stuff's popping out. All of a sudden you have a string of texts that don't necessarily properly apply, but you have your text and it looks good on paper. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, that that nails a really hit heavy spot because I find, and I want to share a story um, with you guys and, and I've talked about it previously on some podcasts, but, um, you know, I, I think that nails it because at, at one junction, it's almost like there was a shift in how preaching was done. And it was not so much of, you know, what is the text saying and doing to me in in this situation, but now it's, what can I make the text do? And, and I, I'm taking my own ideologies, my own beliefs, and I'm shoving that into the Bible and saying, well, because I believe this, then Jesus is obviously meaning that here. And it's a completely, you know, and wrong way to do it. Because at the end of the day, first, uh, America wasn't around when Jesus was preaching and teaching. So, you know, no. So not to bang on any of the dispensationalists out there. Um, America is not the focus of the end time stuff. So, uh, but I want to share this story because I, I think it'll help shed some light into the, the influence that politics has had. So we talked about liberation theology, but we're now I want to kind of shift and look at, uh, the identity politics and, and within identity politics, right? This is the concept of you can identify as whatever you want, uh, based upon how you're feeling. And so in 2019, uh, I was offered a free ride to uh, Luther Seminary, Luther Theological Seminary in Columbia, South Carolina. So my wife and I, we fly out, we visit the school, and we and it, it, we knew they were ELCA affiliated with the, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Churches of America. Uh, very progressive, very liberal. And uh, my wife and I didn't agree with their theology, but we knew some good churches that we had attended as we were growing up that were fairly well conservative in their beliefs. Um, and so we, we went to the school and uh, I was offered a free ride. I didn't, you know, no, didn't have to pay tuition or anything like that. All I had to do is take care of housing and food and insurance and the whatnots. So we go to visit. And the first day, uh, we, we were we really had no problems. Um, everything seemed to be really good because it was a Sunday, uh, so there was no class or anything like that. 
and uh, so we didn't have any of that influence. But we were, um, you know, talking with this other group of people who were, you know, visiting the school and to, as well. And, you know, I had mentioned to them, uh, to some of the students who had joined into like a welcoming committee that I, you know, coming from a Calvinist background. And, and if looks could kill, I would have been dead on the spot. I mean, these people were like, oh no, you're not going to fit in here. You, you know, this isn't what you, you know, this isn't the spot for you type thing. And so, you know, I, I kind of recessed a little bit on that notion and just kind of kept my mouth shut really for the rest of the time. But funny side story in this is my wife and I were, were laying in bed in one of the rooms. You could hear gunfire from down the street. Uh, Columbia is a very high crime ridden uh, part of South Carolina. And so um, guns and gang activity and drugs are prevalent, especially around the school. So that was another big concern uh, for us as we were, you know, because we'd be moving our daughter who was a year old at the time moving her out there and that was not what we wanted to do. And so anyway, so we go to Monday and we go sit in a class and one of the classes was, it was a pastoral ministry class and it was, uh, the, the topic of the day was how to distinguish or work through conflicts within the church. And so the, the scenarios were given, um, which were, you know, hearsay, but they were well and fine within the normal context of life. But then the last one that we had was, had a little bit of an influence from identity politics. You know, how do you handle, and, and again, and I think this is a question that presses to any pastor, how do you handle a congregant uh, who is either gay or has a child who is gay, and you're preaching essentially against that? How do you overcome that conflict? Um and so I, I didn't really pick up any of the red flags in that moment. I was just like, oh, you know, I can I can see how this has influence because it is, you know, popular in culture. So then we go to this seminar after this class, and this was like red flags blowing up in our face. My wife and I are just like cringing during this time. And the conversation was how to talk to children about sex. And I'm not talking like, you know, teenagers or, you know, children that are going through puberty or anything. I'm talking five-year-olds and, and teaching them about sex and sexual actions and, you know, how to do things sexually without actually having sex. I mean, it was like mind-blowing. And I was just... Was, was the required reading the gay VCs? Well, uh, thankfully not, but... <laughs> You know, it was, it, this lady was, you know, talking about how she teaches her five-year-old all this terminology. And I won't say it on the show, but I mean, if you've been in that realm, it is, it is alarming. And so my wife and I left and we were talking as we were leaving this hall. And I said, I, I can't go to school here. I said, none of my beliefs line up with this school. I said, it doesn't matter whether it's Lutheran theology or, or Calvinist theology, I at a crux, I can't go to this school because of the identity politics here. And, and that was such a heavy influence of, of the acceptance that the ELCA has brought in. 
And and they they premised our time there under this uh, week. They do it every year, and they've done it for the last I think ten years. In the uh, on the campus, it's it's called Reconciliation of Sexual Differences Week. So that is a opening the door to all identities within gender and the gays and lesbian communication communities. And, uh, so as we were leaving, we were going to, um, we were going to, uh, uh, church service cause they had church service on Monday afternoons. And so I had bumped into the campus pastor. And, and so I was asking him these questions. I'm like, how do you reconcile this stuff? You know, with, with, allowing this type of theology to be taught. And basically he said, uh, it comes back to the office of the keys. And, and in that we as pastors can determine what is sinful. And, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's not what the office of the keys is designed for. We are to reiterate what Christ has said is to be sinful. And then we can also then determine you know, like some actions may not necessarily be sinful, but could be harmful to people. Uh, but the office of the keys is to literally label things as sin. That was the point. And he goes, well, we have this ability to loosen and tighten, you know, the bonds of sin in certain areas. So, you know, who are we to say that, you know, the gays may have, you know, the noose around their neck while we're letting off these other people. I said, no, the noose needs to be around every neck. (laughs) It's like we sin is a millstone around our neck, dragging us to the depths of the ocean. And, and I was just, I was so frustrated with my conversation with this guy because it was just bounced from topic to topic. And I, and cause I even frame it with this. I said, based upon what Paul writes in Romans one, first Corinthians six and various other parts of his letters, how can we allow this type of acceptance of sin. And, and then he has to go back to Leviticus and say, well, do you eat shellfish? And do you have shirt made of different fabrics? I'm like, that doesn't pertain to this topic. So I was very frustrated. So then we go to mass and this is, and it gets even better. So we're, we're, we're in mass or church service or whatever you want to call it. Mass is Catholic, but we're in church service and we, we, we sing some hymns and, I, and I'll tell you, I got, I, I loved this chapel. It was beautiful. It was all white marble and they'd stained glass, uh, on the, on the upper walls. And so the sunlight beams down and it was beautiful, but I, in my time have never heard such blasphemy uttered from the pulpit. And, uh, the, there's this prominent Lutheran. ELCA uh, preacher and she's a woman she's gay and she does all these gay advocate stuff Um, and she preached the message and it was from Matthew 16 and it was about when uh, Peter and Jesus had the conversation who do you say when Jesus asked Peter who do you say that I am and then Peter you know finally answers well you are the Lord and so she she took that text and 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 redelivered it into the aspect that scripture isn't black and white but it's black white gray and all these other colors and so you can you know find yourself at any point of the interpreting this text and 
And then she goes on to talk about how Peter's just a bumbling fool and an idiot. And he, you know, he didn't know what he was talking about when he made these comments and he was just way off the deep end. And I'm like, I, I told my wife when we left, I said, it took everything in my being not to stand up and scream blasphemy because then I would have been escorted out of the church. And so after the service, we ended up, we just packed up and, and left. We, we threw everything in our car and we're like, all right, we're done. And, and I never looked back. I ignored every email from them. Uh, I, I am like, I'm over it. And, uh, you know, then that took me on a very different path, uh, much more conservative, biblically authentic Lutheran position. And obviously, you know, you guys are more of the Calvinist background, which I come from. And, and I've, you know, we, we have our differences of, of how we interpret things, but at the end of the day, I, I can find myself reconciling with those who differ from me as long as I understand that their interpretation is still rooted in scripture and not some sort of identity politics. So that's the big, you know, uh, journey that I had in 19. And, and, and I think that really shines bright even more so today because identity politics has just crashed into the church. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to you guys and, and get your take on, uh, on this, on this big issue, this big glaring elephant. Tick tock, tick tock. Tick tock. Who's going first? <laughs> well, so identity politics and I mean, it's all it is is self glorification. It's just, it's, 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 uh, it's the worship of self is all it is. And, um, and it's, it's basically throwing out any kind of reverence or holiness to God. And it, it actually, what you, when you were describing uh, the, the female pastor uh, giving the sermon, you know, what popped in my head was exactly what Nick was saying about hermeneutics and proper theology equals, um, you know, correct doctrine. And, and, and then you disciple your sheep. And that's not what's happening because, um, because everybody wants their feelings, how they feel, um, above what God teaches us. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, I think it's only going to get worse. Um, and you know, you have, I mean, just, just recently, I'm sure you guys heard about the pastor who, uh, the Methodist pastor in, um, oh my goodness, Indiana dressed up in drag. You know, on the oh, yeah, I saw show. That. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, here you guys, you know, he's married, he's a married man. And granted, the Methodists are so, you know, they, they're, they're, they're almost worse than the Lutherans. So, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, here, here you go. And in what I read this guy saying, he's, you know, all he was, all he could talk about was, you know, we're here for you, you know, about the LGBTQ plus, 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 whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I just, it's, I don't know, man, it, to me, it just, it boils down to something very, very simple. And it's just, people want to do what they want to do and they don't want, they don't want to submit to a holy God. I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't actually catch that story, but what you just described about him dressing up and kind of appealing to a particular audience, that just sounds like repackaged seeker sensitive I'm, I'm trying yeah. to appeal and use pragmatism to bring people into the church. 
and perhaps that's an overcorrection from, you know, uh, however the church has handled it before because we have handled some things like that bad. Overcorrection is a kind way to put it. Mm-hmm. What's, what's that? Overcorrection is a kind way to put something like that. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, yo, yeah. <laughs> so, so ultimately with that, like, I, I would say that that's kind of one of those things where if that individual in that case was trying to do something like that, that's that we've already tried that. And those secret sensitive churches in general have kind of dwindled away. So why would we start using that approach for other issues? We doesn't make much sense, but what are you going to do? Well, I think you, yeah, he was, he was apparently off. Sorry about that. I was no. just going to say he was, so he was offered, he was offered uh you know, a spot on, it was like an HBO <laughs> extreme special or something has to do with pastors and lgbtq or something something to that effect and he took it again it's all about 15 minutes of fame glorifying yourself self self and you know what i mean track it back to all the way to eve and and adam it it was all the sin of self and you know what you want to do what you want to do it's it's nothing new it's satan's a one-trick pony yeah it really is it's a little bit like theological demagogy or (laughs) intersectionality we just Mm -hmm. check all these boxes and whoever has most Yeah, it's the most oppressed, and you have to cater to them the most, like drag queens or gay people or certain types of skin tones, which is totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, Alex, I don't know where you were going with this. Well, but but let me just add something to what you just said. Um, since since this since <laughs> this is a roundtable, yeah. Um, you know, I I find it just like I can't really wrap my head around the fact that how is it that we it's okay to pull out that particular sin out of scripture, you know, um, because, you know, according to scripture, we're all sinful. We all have the noose around our necks. I mean, we're, you know, period, end of story. And um, those who, you know, put, put their faith in Christ, you know, we get the, we get that noose removed, but they elevate these sexual sins above. And it, like, we're going to just take this one out, but you know, all the rest of the sins they're, you know, they're sin, you know, uh, adulterers you know um mm-hmm. and, and we've heard this you know you don't see people saying well I, i'm a i'm a adulterating christian <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a line put it. line stealing killing christian <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a christian rapist yeah because that's how i identify that's how i yeah. it, it, again it just it's a house of cards mm-hmm. that's built on self and I, you know, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see, and I, I just I'm not trying to be fatalistic, but you know, we're on we're on the path to. I mean, Christ is coming back, and uh, His will is unfolding before us, uh, and and with everything that's taking place. I want to echo what Nick was saying in terms of the overcorrection, because and and then parry off what you were saying, Anthony, and and see if maybe how this would appeal to your ears is we we have as a church have gone to far extremes in everything uh you can take the crew take the crusades for one you know we're gonna go and bloodshed and pillage and plunder and take back our land um you know far then to the other side that we're docile in terms of allowing especially today all these ideologies to creep into the church and to infiltrate and, and, and each time we, we bounce out of something, there's always an overcorrection. And, and I think going to what Anthony is saying, you know, sometimes, and, and, and I'll be guilty of this, and I've been guilty of it in the past, um, 
<clears throat> you hammer on a particular sin too hard and, and you don't generalize other sin. You don't go after other sin. <clears throat> so like in my community, um, we're not, we're a farming community. We're, a, you know, old heritage. Uh, there's not, you know, any new age influence here. There's not any sort of seeker sensitive influence here. There's not in, you know, all of that stuff up in the head of the spear doesn't come here. And so we don't really even have to deal with, um, you know, the, the gay agenda. Uh, we don't have to deal with, you know, the identity crisis and things like that too much. But I have found myself harping on particular sins that have n- do not even pertain to my congregation while ignoring sin that is r- prevalent in my congregation. You know, going out and getting plastered drunk on Saturday night and then driving home and, and beating your wife. I mean, I- I've heard from numerous people in the past that, you know, these small communities, not just particularly mine, but small farm communities you know, drinking and, and partying, drugs, uh, spousal abuse, they're all top-line sins that are being actively committed across America. And, and we as a church have, have, you know, tried to jump onto whatever train is moving in order to be relevant, and we, we've lost the essence of the gospel and we we try to is you know be that seeker sensitive, be that church that's um, you know relevant and tickling to ears. I had a thought to that, and I completely agree. Um, I mean, if you if you just think of the cluster of sexual sins, adultery, divorce, pedophilia, mm. molestation, abuse, whatever you want to call it, like. The church has had plenty of issues with that, but we've been really focused on homosexuality. And I mean, that's just, that's just the drum we've been beating. And maybe it's however that looks, but I was thinking while you were saying that, what would be the solution to that? Well, it would be just letting the scripture speak for itself. Cause whenever you read through first Corinthians six, nine, for example, mm-hmm. if you read all of those sins, instead of just focusing on that mm-hmm. one, yep then you have a lot of problems that you have mm-hmm. to focus on and deal with. If you start going through Romans 1, or you start looking through the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, you don't have that option to pick and pull. You have to look at them as a whole and realize, hey, everyone here is guilty of one or two, if not more of these things. Mm-hmm. But we we do tend to hyper-focus on perhaps that which doesn't look necessarily like us or whatever you want to call it, whatever the struggle may be. Because um, you're always going to sympathize with that which you struggle with. I always sympathize with those who struggle with alcohol for a long time because I struggled with alcohol for a long time. And so I'd be like, yeah, I, I get it. I'll, I'll be more gentle with you. The one that doesn't look like me, I'm going to be a little bit harder on for whatever reason that is. But it's just kind of a thought that crossed my mind. If I can add something to that, I think it's because of the same issue, because the church is reacting to something. And that something has been the LGBTQ agenda. Which is, which is being pushed on children, on, on teenage kids of every age, on old people who have caved into it also. In the name of quote unquote love, the stupidest phrase ever. This has a little to do with the topic we're on, but love is love. I mean, come on, have you ever heard of a tautology and just a, a rhetorical fallacy? Because that's as high as it gets. But I think it's the church reacting to this this agenda, which is being pushed so hard on everyone, 
You see it every single day on TV. You see it even from the, from the decade of the 2000s. It was in every movie because people were trying already to normalize it. And now it, it, it has been normalized. And it's even worse because gay people are seen as rock stars. You know, they're, it's, it's like a fashion thing now. It's a fashion statement. If anyone is gay, they're, they're somehow superior and oh, how brave you are. And oh, oh you, you deserve so much and people have treated you so wrong. They're pushing this everywhere. I, everywhere I agree. Look, movies, entertainment, sports, like every single thing. Man. So I, the I church is thing against that. So the, I, I think that's why the emphasis on homosexuality is being pushed. Yeah, I, I agree that it's an agenda that's being pushed. But at the same time, how many times do we watch a movie where adultery or divorce Absolutely. is present? Yeah. And that's been going mm-hmm. on since the sexual revolution in like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so those are just more normative because it's it's easier to spot. Um, I mean, growing up in the 90s, almost every movie had some kind of plot with one spouse or another either not yep. being there or present or whatever. That's, so, that's, also. That's, so that's already ingrained in us. Mm-hmm. So why are we speaking out about that kind of if you wanted, I guess, to speak to what's already being pushed or already pushed i don't know well the church isn't perfect yeah it's a weak spot but <laughs> oh absolutely and it should be amended and and i think we could also say too to go off of this is that these sins are are obvious and not just obvious but they're um you can see them you can tangibly see a gay couple walking down the street yeah, you could tangibly see an alcoholic leaving a bar. Some of these sins very well might be kind of covered up. Like you, if you're an alcoholic, you could probably hide it. Uh, if you're an adulterer, your your premise is to hide it because you right. don't want to hurt your spouse. But you're gonna full steam ahead. If you are, you know, one that struggles with anger and cursing, and you know, just dropping the ball on that you're going to hide it to within a certain group of people you're not going to actively walk around and just flip the bird to people on the street just because you're mad you're going to you're going to you know put an image on for the public you're going to put the face on the mask and then when you get home you're that completely different person well it's adam hiding behind the tree right hiding his sin every single human does that the thing that surprises me about homosexuality is that what i've been telling you it's it's like being a rock star they don't hide it like really gay pride that's like doubly sinful (laughs) it's it's prideful and they're taking pride in one of the worst sins the bible says yeah well yeah and i mean to that point uh you know the church's response has been just utterly weak and and i hear what you're saying nick with respect to you know why are we hyper focused on you know because it's very foreign to us but um you know something like homosexuality but like like you said you know if it's drugs or alcohol you're you may be more sensitive to to that person but you know the church and how they 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 tackle it a pastor it's it's a taboo subject because they don't want to offend anybody from the pulpit they're not preaching the complete word of god so they've chosen to 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 remove homosexuality or 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 pedophilia and normalize it desensitize and preach all around that you know but um so though they're okay with 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 preaching at put down the porn magazines put them away put you know and 
And if you're cheating, you know, I've, I've heard sermons like that, but I'm not hearing anything about, you know, the trans, uh, you know, all, all of that other area of sexual sin. And, and I, I definitely go to sin is sin is sin, regardless. It, it's all on the same playing field. But sexual sin w- within the church, especially homosexuality, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm at a loss for words because I just cannot believe how, I mean, I, and again, I'm going to speak from a church I, I went to where they will not, um, they actually removed young adults who were helping in uh, a kid's ministry because uh, the girl would not call a boy a girl. And, and the, this is an associate pastor said, well, we're never going to be like you. <laughs> basically calling her i guess legalistic or something in some weird roundabout way and again so it you know i, I who, who said it it's like if we would just preach god nick you said it just let the scripture speak for itself but that's man we're not capable of doing that we just want to we want to remove anything that's offensive to us because we don't want to we don't want to be made to feel guilty or bad about ourselves or anything else and that's just not that's not uh that's not scriptural it's not you know christianity this is no, no longer the modern era. It's the effeminate era. Yeah. What do you imagine anyone in the Middle Ages getting offended over anything? <laughs> the, they had hard lives. What do, you, what do you imagine Luther getting offended over, over anything or Calvin or mm-hmm. anyone else who died during the, the Reformation or Puritans or the American founders, the founding fathers? Yeah. Now, anyone gets offended over anything. It's so pathetic. It is... Sorry. No, spot on with that. Go ahead, Nick. No, no, no. I I just had some thoughts about about second commandment violation back in the Reformation era. No. Um well, they were getting triggered. I mean, they're going in destroying statues and everything else. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Well, it's I mean, not, not everyone was triggered by something at some point in history, yeah. man. I don't know. I I yeah, but thinking, I mean words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And feeling yeah. so repressed about everything. People yeah. who feel oppressed about everything don't know what oppression is. Right. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I, I was thinking about that the other day whenever we were talking about, man, I can't remember what it was, but, oh, we were talking about uh, a movie that we were thinking about maybe watching. It's like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't watch it because the level of violence in Amelia is kind of young kind of thing. And I was like, man, just in, like, the last 40 years, like, how, what children would have been exposed to and what would have been normal in terms of, just like real world things is just drastically different. You're talking about imagine being a kid growing up in world war two versus today. Like, like that's just worlds apart. And then you just go back another 500 years. Imagine growing up during the plague, you know, Uh it just starts getting more grotesque. And I mean, crusades, crusades, (laughs) or what if you're a gosh, who, who, who was 300? You're one of those, you're a Spartan kid. Yeah. Go, go fight a wolf. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 I take both of that because, you know, Paul, what you're saying, it's, it's the infeminate period of time, you know, where if words and feelings now are the important thing and, and how dare you hurt somebody with your words. And I had a conversation with a, with a church member earlier this year, and I'm not going to get into the details due to confidentiality, but I flat out told him, I said, there's going to be times 
when I offend you. There will be times in the pulpit where I use the law and I kill you. And you are going to be mad. But I have to bring you the gospel. And that and you have to preach the word. And if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And if I don't do that, then I'm going to just leave you angry and leave you hostile because I triggered you. And, and that's a problem with today's society. Now, you know, you go back to the Reformation where they did go and, you know, break all the, the statues of Jesus and burn the pictures. And, you know, they were, that was their crusade. Uh, you know, that's, that's fine. But I also think, too, that had some sort of righteous anger behind it. You know, it was, they saw that as being something that was legitimately in violation to. We, we can look back and, and laugh at it now. Um, and, and I'm just, I, I really don't even know what 100 years or 500 years in the future for is going to look at our, our generation and say. Um, but I, I, it's definitely, there's different levels. And I think we as humans have become softer due to the easy times that we live in. You know, uh, 
case in point, my house is heated. It's air conditioned. I've got four walls, a roof, nice windows. You know, uh, I don't have to deal with my food out in a ground cellar. Uh, I don't have to go outside it to use the bathroom. I have indoor plumbing, all of these amenities that we take for granted, electricity, internet, you know, all these things, having a Bible, having a Bible, you know, make us, uh, in a generation that has become completely soft and dependent upon feelings and emotions and have left us, um, desperate for truth. And and I find that so evident in in my time being a preacher that people need to hear the words of Christ. And I have been blessed to have, you know, preached through this year and uh, hold Bible studies where I can come in and we can dig into the gospel accounts and dig into God's word and teach it to people. And the desire for my congregation to learn uh, is really first and foremost. Like I had a church member come to me and say, you know, they had been going to church their whole life. Uh, and, and it wasn't until I started preaching to them that they actually had the desire to read their Bible. Like they would might be maybe pick it up once or twice here and there, but this was now a, I, you know, I need to consume this type thing. And, and again, I, I don't want to harp on myself as, cause I'm, I'm a fallible sinner and I, I fail at all these things and, and I, and I stumble as a pastor, but to see just the Holy spirit working. Cause again, this isn't me doing anything. It's the Holy spirit working through me and in my congregation and driving the word of God into their ears. And that is completely absent in many churches. And so I think we can shift the the conversation a little bit uh, and talk about the state of theology um, and, and, and our concerns for the future of the church. And uh, you know, we, we could do We could talk politics and stuff all day long. and, And, and I think Nick started it off really well with this, you know, we, we need to be participating in it and we need to be functional in whether it's the school uh, governing systems that are in our area, local politics, state, federal, whatever it is, take a part of your, of your life and the life of your family and, and ensure that you guys are following accordance to scripture. But when reflection to the state of theology, those politics, those policies, and and those those the, you know the uh, liberation theology, the identity theology, and all this other stuff that's crept into the church, I think that's flipped it upside down on its head, and we we've taken what used to be in the fifties and sixties, and you know maybe a little bit more of the hellfire and brimstone of that period, but there was much more Christ centered preaching than there is today because it was you know the fear of you know, hellfire and brimstone to draw people to Christ. Now it's, what is Christ going to do for you? How is he going to manage, you know, and be your personal genie? So the state of theology, uh, I'm going to go back to G3. Sadie, you can be there, Alex, and say mm, to you, mm-hmm. Anthony, uh, we had a really good time with Nick, but we were, and I, I hate to be critical about this. <laughs> it was disappointing theologically. Because on a on a conference at the level of G3, with the theme being Christology, you expect a lot of church history, a lot of complicated words, 
<laughs> and the teachers being able to teach those words to over 6,000 people who probably don't know that. But it wasn't that. It was just normal preaching, I would call it. Uh, it, it. It was good. Don't get me wrong. I was satisfied by pretty much everything there. But I expected a lot more. And when you have that lack of historical knowledge and, theolo and, and theological knowledge in a place like J3, it tells you a lot about the state of theology. And also, on a lesser level, when you can turn a seasoned Christian or supposedly seasoned Christian into a modalist in three minutes, mm. that doesn't speak very well about the state <laughs> of theology. Wow. Yeah, I was I was really sad that I couldn't make G3. Uh, you know, our, our son was born just a few weeks uh, earlier, so it was kind of... <laughs> Be home with the wife and kids or right. sneak, sneak away for an awesome conference. But um, I think uh, I've got the verbal okay for the 2023 conference for G3. I will do my best to be there and uh, partake in that. But I, 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 I hear everything you're saying. Anthony, you've been kind of quiet. What do you got? Um, on the state of theology? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. I kind of, you know what, I've kind of been touching on that. I think throughout the, the earlier parts of the conversation, um, you know, I, I just think that the, um, you know, the, the pastors that are teaching and it's just, just, there's so many of them. It's just I keep going back to this, this, uh, this topic and forgive me, but they're, fo they're focused on, uh, you know, being rock stars. They're being themselves, you know, over, um, learning the word of God, expounding upon it and, and digging in. And, and to your point, Paul, um, you know, church history, understanding, you know, context. Uh, and, and I was talking to Nick about this in, um, it, you know, when, when we were talking about his book, uh, about how it's, there's this thing where people, I don't know if it's they're intimidated or they just, it's, it's because of, you know, the, all you need is Jesus kind of mantra that, you know, it's almost like people don't think they don't need to, to learn scripture in a way where they're digging in, uh, you know, with proper hermeneutics and, uh, and, and, and understanding, I I'm just getting into myself. I mean, so there's just so much to learn and it can be overwhelming, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Which, I just I don't... put something in there. Yeah, absolutely. I think many, many Christians, are even bored to study complex theology and history, yeah, which is yeah. more concerning than any of the other two. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, when I start talking about some of the stuff that I've learned, you know, from you guys even to, to, <laughs> to, to people around me, and they're like, what? And they just kind of look at me, and, and they don't really want to, to dig in. It's almost like it's, it's too much, it's too burdensome. And I, they got to move on to, you know, other stuff. And it well, and that's why you see, like, you see, uh, churches like churches church of the glades i think where they're putting on these these ridiculous shows that you know that are emulating you know beyonce and you know all of the all of the moves and just a lot you know, but the, i should the, cry what's that i laugh but i should cry yeah i mean the game of thrones just everything and i think um you know it, it's i i don't i don't know where it's where it's going i mean thank god for you know you know like the, the folks that were at g3 and at ligonier um, conferences because, um, you know, they, you know, they stand for truth and, um, 
you know, and then but then you see the SBC going down the road of you know what they're adopting. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a mess, but you know, as I study scripture, I I be I'm becoming less surprised by it and less. Um, I don't want to say offended. I'm offended, but I, I just you know there's something there's something going on, and uh, you know God's going to reveal it, and it's going to be. I, I don't want to be on the wrong side of that, so I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it's it, it's incredibly troubling, and and I I really liked that comment that people today are bored with theology, and yeah. and they're bored with this concept of having to pick up and read. And you know, Nick, in your background, you've got a nice library and collection of books upstairs in my office. I've got you know library. I've kind of been playing with you know reels the last few weeks and showing off some of the books and it's not a flex by any means, but it's a, you know, it, it has to be taken to this, to this point that if we're a Christian, if we identify as a Christian, then shouldn't that spark something in us to just learn the basics of it our faith? Some of us, but in other, in others, it's just, well, there's someone else doing it. So I'll just leave it to them. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know Nick, you've you've struggled with seeing these struggles on social media. You know, the the those conflicts of people who uh they'll they'll take the fight to you, to us based upon a YouTube video they watch because see uh videos are more flashy for people now than actually reading a book. And uh I actually made a comment on Anthony's post today cuz he had posted uh the the show you guys are doing. And I just said, hey, make sure you you listen to this episode and read Nick's book before you even jump into conclusions. Just because you watch something on YouTube doesn't make it true. Yeah. You shouldn't say that, Alex. You're offending a lot of people. <laughs> well, Good. And that's when you can just throw Proverbs 18.13 at them. The, the full answers before he's listened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, whenever it comes to the state of theology and what Paul was saying about laziness, I just kind of think of the Ligonier survey that came out, I don't think it was last year, yeah. and it was 38% of self-professing evangelicals deny the deity of Christ. <laughs> and that's alarming in itself because you're not mm-hmm. an evangelical if you deny the deity of Christ. Yeah. Um, but what's concerning is that whenever I think about those that do profess the deity of Christ, if I had asked them, I, I was genuinely curious, if I had asked them, can you show me the deity of Christ in scripture? They could probably pull one or two verses and that's inadequate. And there's no reason for it to be that inadequate. That's a fundamental basic doctrine that was fought for, for hundreds of years. You should be able to defend that right out the gate. Um, And so I kind of got like this past year about how we, we do fight on a lot of topics that are pressing and then there's a lot of times where we jump into fights where we really shouldn't even be there if we can't defend the deity of Christ first. Like, why are we arguing about holidays and the feasts <laughs> if we can't defend the deity of Christ first? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially with Unitar- Unitarianism is back on the rise. Modalism is back on the rise. Oh, yeah. Well, yep. I, I didn't tell you, Nick, but I had, I went to a protest. And don't look at me wrongly because of this. <laughs> uh, you have been, you have been judged. <laughs> You didn't even tell me oh. what it was. I didn't get to judge you yet. <laughs> no, it was it was a protest uh, against vaccine passports. There you go. Yeah, all right. I'm just kidding. But anyway, <laughs> there was this guy evangelizing with gospel tracts, 
and he came over and I just, I left the protest and I, I talked with him for three hours. I, I, I couldn't care less about the protest when that came up. He gave me the gospel tract and I asked him a few questions. Do you believe in, in, in the, the deity of Christ? He said, yes. Do you believe in the Trinity? No. Oh, red flag immediately. <laughs> so I, I, I say talking with him for three hours and all he could bring up is Hebrew numerology. He brought up a book that's the secret code of the Bible. I forget oh, the author, man. but it's supposedly, it's about finding uh, per, per 20 letters in Hebrew. You go back in Hebrew and each, each of the 20th letters in the paragraph or uh, chapter or whatever, it tells you something that's going to happen in the future when you put all those letters together. It was a mess. Then he went to holidays and feasts because they were uh, Hebrew roots, you know? They, they just loved Hebrew and they thought they knew Hebrew, but they, they, they knew nothing about Hebrew. Uh, and he kept, he kept insisting on the feasts and the feasts. And I just, I kept bringing him back to the Trinity, back to the Trinity. And I told him, you are not a brother if you don't believe in the Trinity. He, he was not offended, surprisingly. But I just, I stayed there for hours talking to him, uh, um, going through the Greek with him. He could not argue against that, thank God. And he started really questioning his beliefs. Um, and he told me that he actually considers adopting the Trinity if I can show it to him from the Bible, which I did. But he just kept going there. And we do that so often with so many things. We go to things that are not essential when the conversation is about something essential. And we just drop that and focus on the thing that stirs up everyone more or that gets more views or gets more fans, which is yeah. absolutely stupid. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about the way people talk about the Holy Spirit, like you can you can tell someone's idea of Trinitarianism like right out of the gate just by like yep. how we by default talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, this and person it, who was sharing tracks, he, he he denied the personality of the Holy Spirit. It's a it's a domino, man. You just yeah, you can always tell. And I I was thinking about too. Um, oh, I think I was talking to Anthony about it, like the Hebrew Roots group. They're appealing because we're also ahistorical. We we don't pay attention to history. Right. And so we're looking for something that's more ancient and closer to Jesus. And so we'll grab onto anything that even tastes like that. So we have all these people leaving the church and doing all these weird things because, well, we have this big gap in our history from, from the Apostle John's death to today. And we don't know mm -hmm. where we came from. We don't know who came before us and what's going on. So we're on an island. Well, it's time yeah. to jump ship and go find a different island. And not surprisingly, he knew nothing about church history. It's a domino, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and to that point, Paul, um, I think in most, not all, most evangelical churches, you know, the pastor's not talking about church history. I mean, I, I, I attended an evangelical church for just years. And you know how I found out who John Calvin and Charles Spurgeon was? Through Instagram. <laughs> I mean, I'm being serious, like yeah. through posts. And I hate to say that, but that's the state of like where yeah. these churches are going in theology. And, and, and yeah. I mean, John Knox, where did I hear about John Knox? Probably one of you guys posted something. I'm like, who's John Knox? And I started reading <laughs> some stuff from him. I'm and just, again, it's, you know, it's, it's overcorrection again. Mm -hmm. You see before the Middle Ages and during the Middle Ages, everyone fanaticized every single saint. Now, nothing. You would be yeah. hard pressed to if, find if, someone who who knew anything about Martin Luther or John Calvin, and they're early. 
considering mm. we have 2,000 years of church history. Yeah. 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 And if you bring up an older saint, oh, you must be Catholic. Catholic. Right. Because right. they have a monopoly on all of them. <laughs> That's right. And it, it drives me crazy. It's like, uh, I, well, I the church in that era knew more. They knew, they knew every single detail about the life of every single saint that had gone before them. And now, no, well, people don't even know the Bible. And, and our excuse doesn't work because the whole excuse of we don't have time. Those guys, if anyone didn't have time, you have shorter lifespans. They were definitely busy trying to survive. Yeah, they had to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet they're over here debating hypostasis and usia for, for years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they, they were writing books instead of a little like captions debating these topics. And Do you know how many questions. words Thomas Aquinas wrote? Oh, I don't approve of his theology completely, of course, but he was a theological giant of the Middle Ages. Yeah, he's a good writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we get stressed out about a paper with five thousand words. At least yeah. I do. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> well, Thomas Aquinas wrote a total of nine million words. Dang, with his crazy. hand, not on a computer. Right, right. Nuts. And well, John Calvin's Institutes, his first edition was done by the time he was 27. It's like, what am I doing with my life? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and and the Institutes is a thick book. It's not a yeah. it's not a hundred page read. And you know, each page is like loaded. Load, you have to yeah. sit there and think through it. Yep. 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 You know, and then you've got people like Calvin, Luther, Knox. Um, you know, I have uh I, I have in my logos library, I have all of Luther's works. And it's like 56 editions and crazy. And it's, you know, the three, 400 pages of book. And and I, and I just, and I've said this in my, in my sermons, I'm like, I've read his commentary on Genesis and cause I'm preaching through Genesis outside of Advent and his uh, take on a single verse is three pages long. And, and I can't even fathom writing five sentences to talk about a verse, let alone pages. And, and then you've got all the Puritans who produced countless, you know, libraries of work. Um, it, you know, it, I guess at the end of the day, it, what it boils down to for, for Christians, there's no shortness of theological works that you could go out and read. Uh, you could read literally the only book for the rest of your life, and that be the Bible. And you could read it 500 times a year until you die, and you'll never exhaust all of the mysteries in the scriptures. You know, uh, there are people out there, and I count myself as one of them, you know, thirsting for knowledge and growing. And, um, and you know, they haven't even heard of, you know, like, you know, they're like, hey, does anybody know any good commentaries, you know? Uh, and I'm like, man, have you not heard of, like, Matthew Henry? Mm-hmm. Um you know, even John MacArthur. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I it blows my, it blows my mind. And, uh, and no offense to any pastors, but, <laughs> I mean, you know, discipleship, man, discipleship. You know, with, within your congregation, the sheep need to be. That's that's the purpose of of, of being a pastor, mm-hmm. and and sharing this information, this church history. Why do we have, you know, you know, our faith and 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 just where it's where where does it come from? So, I, I don't know. It, it's um, there are a lot of people that are out there and they're looking, they're looking and they're thirsting for um, knowledge, truth, and what's scary is the things that they're 
going across are the Joel Osteens, Stephen Furtick's. Those are the people that that they see because, like you said, Paul, rock star. Yeah, it's demagogy, man. Yep. And Alex, I'm so glad you're preaching through Genesis. It's my favorite <laughs> book in the whole Bible. I we have to recover the Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. The and, early church and, only had the Old Testament. Yeah. We people are totally illiterate in the Old Testament nowadays. Well, it's funny because we had. Um, so that's actually the class that I'm in in seminary is got it's a, on my professor did a uh, take on the Apostles Creed. And so he taught the Holy Spirit and he did it through Paul's works in Romans and Galatians. And then he moved to Jesus Christ, the son and taught us through Mark. And now he's doing uh, Genesis teaching us God, the father. And so I had posed this question to him because uh, we're, we're coming up to the end of the class. And so we're coming to the end of Genesis and so that means we're at the, you know, the time life of Jacob here. And so I pose this question in Genesis 32, when Jacob wrestles with a man, who is that man? Yeah. And, and that is, that is an interesting question because if you were to ask any regular person, they'd be like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, even Christians in the church, I don't know what you're talking about. And you know, this this text has so much weight on it. It, it. it blows me away. And and I watched how my professor connected these dots. And he said, you know, this is the incarnate Christ as man wrestling. And, and so then he started, and then we started talking about, well, you know, did Jacob really see him face to face or, and he's like, well, if you're wrestling, do you actually look at a person face to face? No, your goal is to be, behind them or they're behind you. And so it's very rare that you will be face to face unless you're shaking hands and, and whatnot. But, you know, he, and then we go into the conversation to the flip of it because Moses doesn't get to see God. You know, he only gets to see the back end of God. And, and, and even that, because if he sees God face to face, he is going to burn up. And so this, this impression of you know, Christ being present in the Old Testament is completely ignored by so much of the early church. And and I I've made very, very, very much sure as I preach to this that Christ is the center focal point. Even in the garden when there was no sin until Genesis 3, Christ is present in all of this. And you know I I just I I, I fear for people who sit under pastors who uh, would rather teach them 10 ways to be debt-free using scripture. Um, one thing, I, I have something interesting to show you by Hillary Porter's letter that you'll find funny. I think I shared <laughs> it with you, Paul. Uh, it was a, it was from the fourth century and it was Hillary Porter's on the councils or something like that. It wasn't ecumenical or anything like that, but it, it was fascinating because two of his statements were, if you deny that the father was talking to the son when God said, let us make man in our image, let him be a nap bone. I was just like, wow, <laughs> we're, we're going hard. And he said, if you deny that it was Jesus wrestling with Jacob, let him be a nap. I was like, we're going really hard. Apparently <laughs> like mm-hmm. it was pretty intense. Um, not to share that with you is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that you have that juxtaposition between the, the, the leadership who has banked, building their backs on you know the the peasants of our day Mm -hmm. you know the ones who are desperate and giving money over if you want to call them that 
But then you also have all the people who are going, you know, they're, they're apostatizing. And a lot of the basis for that, at least the excuses, because we're, we're all monergists here. Um, the, the excuse for it is um, basically questions that have never been addressed before. And we're talking about church writings and history. And so whenever someone's like, I left the church because of theodicy, mm. how many people have written books on theodicy? Mm-hmm. Like all these questions, like there's questions, all these questions have been answered a hundred times over since the beginning. Yeah. Like there, there's no excuse for that type of ignorance, if we can just say it blamely. Well, I, <clears throat> it brings up a good, uh, we could probably call it two closing topics because we're, we've broached the hour mark and I want to keep people's sanity within relative check. Uh, cause I, I've taken a shift in my show timings from, you know, an hour plus to 30 minutes or under. And, uh, so we've far exceeded that 30 minutes by now, but anyways, uh, you, you had said as uh, a manner of, you know, these crooks, that are preachers building their empires on the backs of, of modern peasants. Uh, what is your guys's take on the Joel Osteen bit with the $600,000 that was found in his church? So uh, sketchy. The plumber. <laughs> so sketchy. It's a good year to be a plumber. <laughs> it's a great yeah, right? year. The, the memes have not disappointed. The OC, yeah. The office memes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have not disappointed at all. And, <laughs> And I, I saw this and I told my wife, because my, my in-laws, they listen to Olstein, but they recognize that he's a motivational speaker and they like what yeah. he says. But I'm like, there's no gospel. There's no Christ in his messages. And so I was like, I asked her and she's like, I don't know if that's real. And sure enough, it was very real. You know, because Joel Osteen should just call his place Lakewood Happy House, <laughs> not church. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I, I straight up told him basically what Alex just reflected. It was like, whenever I was an atheist and whenever my dad was an unbeliever, we watched Joel Osteen every Sunday and we were fine with it there because that's how unbiblical it is. You mm-hmm. can go there, you can get a good message. Oh, I have some practical advice about how to make my best life now. It's like, <laughs> all right, Joel, you tell me the way, mm-hmm. but uh, the ways to the bathroom. Bathroom walls. <laughs> yeah. I just, that story just, just shakes me. Cause it's like, you know, I, at one hand, I almost want to blame Joel for being involved in that at some level. And yeah. I mean, what is, uh, here, here's a good question. What is the Christian community going to do if we actually find out that he was fully involved in this? Like in money was- laundering? Yeah. Or, or, uh, well, apparently it would be a part of an insurance scam because they had filed a claim uh, in like 2013 or something that they were missing $600,000. So if they actually took that money and stashed it, that's massive. I mean, yeah. now I can get it if somebody within the staff did it, you know, on their own and they were embezzling money and, and you know, I totally, envelopes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I totally get it, but. What what is the tr- church community gonna say if Olstein is involved? You mean his church or the church? Just I think church in in general, you know, because there's I, I I would venture to say that in almost m- most churches across the U.S. there are people who still listen to him. Yeah. yeah, I have a prediction. What's that? 
you'll have, of course, one half that says, we've told you all along. And then you have the other half who listen to Joel Osteen go on stage, he'll apologize for his oopsie daisy, mm -hmm. he'll publish a book, and he'll go on with his life as normal. And he'll have the with bathroom walls. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be the title of the book. And then they need to go check the women's bathroom because <laughs> it might be another 600,000 in there. <laughs> you imagine his own house. Uh, yes, man. This should be just bricks of $100 bills. He could. I, I, yeah. I, genuinely hope that, I genuinely hope that he has nothing to do with it. Yeah. That, that's honestly, whenever I read that article, I was like, I, I sincerely hope. He's a con man. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to do that. Yeah, he's already dug his own grave. Well, <laughs> you know, when you have that amount of money. Yeah, what else are you going to do with it? You always yeah. want more. Yeah. No, I guess that's yeah. what all I mean, what all rich people are like. Yeah. All right. So have you guys Shots seen fired, man? Yeah. <laughs> have you have you guys seen this video? Most, sorry. <laughs> of of all the people we would offend, that's the, not the group I suspected. Yeah. <laughs> we're going we're coming after the rich now. Down with the ruling class. Watch the Robin rich. Hoods over here. <laughs> no, so have you guys seen this? Green suit. Yeah, there you go. Have you guys seen this yeah. video floating around of uh this guy goes up to Olstein? And then he's like, hey, guys, this is Joel Osteen. And then, you know, Joel's like, oh, hey. And he's like, you know, you're a piece of blah, 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 oh, blah. Have, no, you have you seen this? No. So this made its rounds on TikTok. And uh, it's been shared in some of the circles I, I'm in on Instagram. And and there's, again, as Nick said, there's there's two reactions to this camp. There's the one reaction that says this guy was justified in calling him an an explicit name and he deserves Joel deserves that. And then there's the other camp that says, you know, no, both are wrong, but Joel did nothing wrong in this instance to deserve or merit that this guy is what wrong. Was Joel Osteen's reaction? Uh, he did kind of a cynical laugh and walked away. Didn't. I don't think anyone deserves that kind of treatment. Right. Personally. Yeah, obviously I don't, and I and I think that's very yeah. unchristian. Well, and o only Bill Gates. Yeah, okay. only Bill Gates. <laughs> but the I, rich I, and Bill Gates, man. Yeah, the rich and Bill Gates <laughs> going after five for sure. <laughs> but I think, uh, if I remember correctly, the guy who did this video isn't a Christian. So oh. I mean, it's kind of like uh, the world's gonna eat itself, right? Well, it's, if he's not a Christian, then why is he upset at, at Joel Osteen? Yeah, he he's should a be con man. Yeah, and he didn't think of the idea. <laughs> I mean, so back to that conversation. Whenever I said I was okay watching him, I was still upset at him as an atheist because <laughs> I knew that he was using religion mm -hmm. to make bank yeah. off of people. I mean, yeah. it's the same thing as the Middle Ages, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the man was probably angry that he was not a plumber. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, he was like, "You didn't hire me. I applied, <laughs> and you didn't hire me." Uh, so then, to flip that, you know, if we talk about how these leaders have used falseness, falsehood, to make their millions, you know, another one that's really prevalent. It it, it has a should have a good theological background, and that's Stephen Furtick. Hmm. Um, because he went to Southern Baptist, right? Seminary. Yep. And so Calvinist in its essence and, you know, reformed in its soteriology and, you know, he comes out of it and says, ah, 
none of that's true or real. And I, we're not going to teach any of that. You're not going to, you know, if you come to believe, he even said, if you come to believe Jesus, uh, and get baptized, then that's your last Sunday in our church. My thing with those kind of guys is that they, I'm, I'm never sure whether they are deceived and deceiving or they are aware that they're deceiving mm. and they continue yeah. on doing that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know where Furtick falls on that. I tend to lean to the part that he wants to deceive people because of the way he is. Mm. But I, I can't be 100% sure. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of with Paul in that in terms of like, that's always one of the first things that come to my mind, like, because they because you can have like, I, I knew some Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and they were some of the most genuine people, they were genuinely wrong. But they're some of the most genuine people, they weren't actively seeking to like this deceive. person in the protest that I told you about, <laughs> right. super honest and a very, mm-hmm. a, a very nice person. But of course, yeah. if you're in a position of teaching, that's, that's automatically not not in terms of motive but that's automatically like it doesn't matter what your motive is you, you need to step down and especially with verdict with again we're back to the basics modalism like yeah yeah you it's unacceptable and that's only the tip of the iceberg oh yeah mm. it's just it's just trickle is a trickle trickle effect man well i remember um Paul, when you and I did uh, Undying Light, we had a we had a series when we were going to go on Instagram together and teach through uh, the heretics. Oh, I, re- uh, I remember that. And, and, and then we would uh, comfort that <laughs> with teaching through church through <laughs> yeah. church history, uh, proper theology. And I remember posting videos about Furtick and and tearing into his you know, content. Cause this was uh, pretty much at the height of when he made that announcement, you know, God broke the law for love mm. yeah. and uh, I got about that. Right. And so people, man, they got so mm-hmm. bent out of shape and, and these same people follow all of us and have followed like Ligonier and follow more reformers. And then they're mad because I took pot shots at Stephen Furtick. I don't get it. Brief thoughts on that. I think that people, when they know that Christians, quote unquote Christians like Furtick, are so famous and they have all this weight in the public square, when you come after them, they might be thinking that you're doing Christianity a disfavor mm-hmm. by doing that because you're you're defaming this person who they they believe is like a, a witness to the world of Christ while they're actually not. And when you do that, you're you're hurting like God's kingdom and and, and the mission. Uh, others they just see them as idols, I think, and and they just they rely on them so much for their their knowledge of the Bible and God and just to feel good. And when you touch that, well, of course that they're going to get riled up. That's just normal. And, and if you guys haven't noticed either, when when you do post something that is heretical in nature. Um, you, you'll get the Christians that come in and say, well, have you reached out to that person privately and, and confronted them on their sin? And it's like, well, that's not really the, t- the intentions of social media. That's not, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. these, these guys have been confronted, you know, like Joel gets hack hacklers often in his, yeah. you know, that are escorted out by security. Same thing with Furtick. 
And you can't go to these people privately. I mean, they're... They got bodyguards. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah you know, yeah. It, I'm shocked that, like, in the Kenneth Copeland interview, when he was getting into his car at the at his airport, I mean, I was shocked that... And I, and I think it was a... It had to be a scheduled... At his airport. That's yeah, so at his, cool. at his airport. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, all preachers need a private jet, so... If you don't have a private jet ministry, you are doing ministry wrong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but you, to, to get to these guys, you can't do it. And so the best thing that we can do as Christians is warn the flock and say, these guys are dangerous. This theology is unbiblical. Well, it's, it's the same as in the early church, man. You, you can't really get to Marcion or to the Gnostic leaders. Mm-hmm. If, if you were just a, like a, a lay person in a Christian church. Yeah. But you have people like Irenaeus. And, and Tertullian and, and all these other all these other great saints that wrote against these people. So now you have people like John MacArthur, uh, Paul Washer, R.C. Sproul, who's passed away, of course, um, to warn everyone about these con men. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we can do much about that, but you with your followers, Alex, Nick with this, Anthony with this, uh, do what you got to do and just wait for the fruits. Yeah, if I can tack something on that, I think it kind of just circles all the way back to what we were talking about with laziness and theology. The the best way to combat false teaching is to have correct teaching so that it's not a problem to begin with. Yeah, warning is not enough. It's just leaving people neutral. So, so you, you have, have to, to give them truth. to do both. And I think there's always that overcorrection or imbalance where we call out a false teacher, but we don't ever tell them, well, this is false, but this is the correct way. And then they don't even have the foundation most times. This is the correct doctrine. Why is modalism bad? You should know why modalism is bad. Mm-hmm. It destroys the love of God. It destroys the mm-hmm. communion of the three persons of the, the Godhead. Like those, those are basic ideas that we should have. So you should know that you can identify false teachings because you have the basics. And that kind of goes back into how we, like catechisms have disappeared. You talk about even like the 16th century catechisms and knowing basic doctrines before baptism was the standard. The Nicene Creed was ingrained in your head yeah. before you were baptized. And most people don't even know what the Nicene Creed is. Most people don't even know how, how to handle any of those situations whenever they arise. Yeah. So it's just like mm-hmm. you can't you can't teach you can't teach on a on a on a faulty foundation. You have we have to start it's by all history, man. It's history. It's a huge it, it's a huge it's a massive crutch when people don't know church history. Yeah, it really does affect more than we realize. Yeah, I think a lot of people also they they want to stay in their in their comfort zone and they want to stay. I hate to say it, but they want to stay lazy. Um, they're going, they're being entertained, um, and and honestly, um, it takes discipline and it takes work to dig in um, to scripture and um, and and church history and and tying it all together. So. Um, people are so busy and distracted by everything else and they view church as you go you go to church on sunday and you you are fed and feel good during the worship service portion and i know i'm generalizing i'm not trying to generalize it every christian that goes is like that but um but that is why these folks defend them tooth and nail even when you're trying to kind of step through it, it it's a lot like, you know, the Mormons, you know, I, I've, I've gone back and forth with some Mormons on DM and they just, they don't, man, they're, they're cemented on their mountain of, of whatever false doctrine 
um, false religion and they, they just don't move. And, and it's really not for us to move. It's for God to move those people. And it's, it's really through, you know, praying for them, obviously sharing truth, but at the end of the day, you know, why else did, why else did Jesus say the road is very narrow here? I think a lot of Christians are trying to make it wider, yeah. you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of saying, God, you know, uh, you can't do it. Or, or, or I saw somebody actually say, um, somebody made a comment about the Jehovah's Witnesses or somebody on, on some post. And this one, it was on Twitter, actually. Um, and this one guy was like, well, then try to convert them. And I was going to say, we don't, we don't convert people. We plant the seed. Mm. God waters it. God grows it. And if, it's, he does, if he chooses not to do that, he chooses not to. All, all, we're supposed to share the gospel, plant the seed. That's it. Share truth. Yeah, well said. So we've hit an hour and a half mark. So uh, to be oh, re- three episodes. Yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> part one, two, and three. Uh, You're done for January. I am. I don't February. have to do. Yeah, I don't have to do anything now. Um, well, if we put this on a matter of truth, then we got a whole year's worth of content. Bruh, right. <laughs> um. So uh, let's go ahead and you know close it down because I know you guys have. Uh, families and obligations and such to take care of closing thoughts uh in in reflection to anything talked or anything not talked about tonight uh i'm gonna start with you paul what do you got on things that we have talked or not talked anything well we have to do an episode on covid in the church man yeah but outside of that um study the bible for real study church history Identity politics sucks and Marxism <laughs> also sucks and has to be rooted out, out of the church mm. and hopefully outside of the world, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it's going to happen when Christ comes back. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. Closing thoughts, uh, Anthony. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, you know, you hear the term, be open-minded, you know, and, and when I say that with respect to, um, you know, the things people read and, and what's put out there, wait against scripture. That should be your source. And when I say, I would say people need to, they need to remove themselves um, from, you know, what they're holding on to in, in, in this kind of defensive way with respect to Christianity and just, you know, return to scripture and, and, and rely on the Holy Spirit to, to, to grow you. Not, don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on a pastor uh, or anybody else rely on the Holy spirit and then be fed by the pastor in light of scripture. Um, because I think, I think again, ultimately, um, it's, it's for God to, to convert. It's for God to, to grow and to, uh, you know, he knows we don't. All right. Closing thoughts, Nick. Uh, kind of just piggybacking off of what's been said. Um, I would just say there is, there are plenty of diamonds and gold and silver to be mined from scripture and church history that can fill you, sustain you, and help you live in this world appropriately. And you can take that time. It's not a matter about time. It's a matter about priorities. If you didn't read your Bible today, it's because you didn't make the time for it. We always have the choice to prioritize five minutes a day. That's all you need, minimum. Just dig in, realize there's gold there. And once you start getting that gold and you start realizing the depths of God's love 
his mercy and his grace and communion with the Trinity and how beautiful that is. It just makes you want to do it more and you want to get closer. You want to be with God face to face more. There's gold there. So don't be lazy. Do the work. Have the gold. Stop going to Google and doing these quick searches and thinking that you're getting your spiritual devotion for the day. Put the work in. Mm, yeah. yeah. Stop using God questions. Yeah. <laughs> and one last thing, if I could add it. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah. else, Alex, is that whenever anyone is debating someone about identity politics or uh, cultural Marxism or whatever else, be gentle. Don't be like Cyril of Alexandria against Nestorius. And if you don't know what that is, go read. <laughs> go grab a book. Well, and, and to conclude what Nick was saying, it's don't get your theology from Google. Don't get your theology from Instagram or social media. Open your Bible and read. You know, I, I've actually had uh, some great conversations with people in the circles I'm in, and they're like, we've decided we're going to take uh, the Gospel of Luke and read Luke all the way through till Christmas Day. And then they, uh, that you know, that way they're getting a little bit every day, one chapter a day. Um, one thing I did last year that was really, uh, really beneficial was I took the Gospel of Matthew and I read it every day for six months, a chapter a day. And so I wrapped up Matthew six times in six months. And, and my goal was to do it for the whole year, but laziness and, and, and stubbornness and life changes happened and you know, but the best thing to, you can do is stop reflecting about tomorrow and pick up your Bible today and just spend five minutes. It doesn't take much. Just get into the word of God. And and then hopefully something similar to that, Alex. With, yeah. Uh, it was first Peter, Colossians mm. and Titus read it, the whole letter, the whole epistle every single day for a month. It helps so much. On oh, just yeah. Building yeah. a framework of that epistle. and. Yeah handling your way around it it's it's wonderful well take take galatians six chapters you could read one chapter a day i think it takes i think it takes you 20 minutes to read it yeah it's not a long it's it's not a long book at all you know you could read it uh, the whole the whole thing in one day but just take a book and just dig into it you know there's again as nick said there's so many diamonds and gold and jewels that are just right in your hand and you're not willing to grab it. And, you know, the commentaries, like you said, dig in, read, read, read. And then when you start kind of having these questions, get a solid commentary. That yeah. would, I mean, don't go to Google. Absolutely, you're right. Get a commentary. I mean, there's so many good ones out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and the other interesting thing, too, is don't get a commentary that you, I mean, get ones that you agree with theologically and hermeneutically, but then get something that you don't agree with. Read something that it's going to be a challenge for you yep. to, to view and, and, and apply and say, okay, I can see where I don't agree with this. And that's fine. You know, because there's theologies and camps that just don't agree with stuff, but there's so much camaraderie that comes out of these camps and Ooh, that sounded and, communist in a little bit <laughs> comrades. <laughs> You know, there's such a brotherhood that exists there, you know, that that is not touched at because you've neglected to stay only within your finite little camp of, you know, evangelicalism. And you, you do, don't dare to truly you know, reformed. 
yeah, and to dig out into the world. And so, well, uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Uh, I think this was a great conversation and, uh, it was truly a blessing to have you guys, you know, you, Nick and Paul back on the show. And to, again, as I said at the top to put back to the broken puzzle that was shattered and finally have this brotherhood. Um, and I pray that we can do this more frequently and just get on the mic and just record and just talk through whatever topic is at hand. And, uh, I'm very thankful for you guys in my life and I'm very glad, I'm very glad God kicked me in the teeth. Hmm. And I mean, I went through struggles, uh, over the course of a number of months and, and prayers and trying to find my, my, you know, my level with how can I be humble, gentle, and, you know, reconcile not only this relationship here, but many others that I had fractured on social media and even in my own family because of my theology. And God has been gracious and, and has brought a lot of these uh, relationships back into place for me. So, so ladies and gentlemen, that is the Roundtable uh, 2021 episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next week as we dig back into our current series on the least of these. Until then, God bless and thanks for joining. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.